hello, and there was no weird, scary music like we've set up in the past, which means this is not, I repeat, this is not a drill. This is not another episode of Heretics. Instead, we have something fun. Guess what, children? Oh, don't tell me it won't play. Now it won't play. Oh, of course not. You saw me work that earlier, it, it, it didn't you? It worked two minutes ago. It worked two minutes ago. Well, you hear that? The the soothing, dulcet, dulcet tones of... Dun, da, 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 Lou's back! Lou's back! Yay! <laughs> we all turn into giant children. Lou has joined us once again. The quarantine has been broken. The power has been shattered. The universe is back in alignment or something weird like that. Yes. And we have gathered together this week to tell you that if your house is on fire, you probably don't want to turn on the oven. That's pretty good advice. That, that, that's what we are going to go with. Now, why in the world would we tell you that? Well, the, the answer is uh, relatively simple. Uh, the world is on fire. Yes. And short of actually attempting to put it out, we're, we're all doomed. Not some of us are doomed. All of us are doomed. And so what our goal is today is we want to sit down and work through our a priori foundational things, the, what we call first things of theology. We, uh, this is one of the things we've attempted to do with pretty much every uh, aspect of theology that we've talked about. We sit down, we figure out what the foundation level is. This has been the idea behind the Heretics podcast is how do we get down to the foundations of what's wrong and then build back up? Well, congratulations. If you turn on the news, the heretics are now us. And by us, I mean all of us, the world. So we want to nail down a couple of first things in light of what is actually wrong with the world today. Because when we do that, we're now going to have the means of putting out the fire. I mean, you, hold on one second. <coughs> Excuse me there. Here's what I mean by that. If you go to a fire, if you didn't learn this lesson in school or from watching YouTube videos or something like that, then congratulations, you're going to learn something about firefighting today. Um, you use a fire extinguisher, they hand you the fire hose, you don't spray up into the air. Right. So you walk up on the fire, the fire is burning at your feet, you spray at the ground and work towards it. Because if you don't, you're going to spray over the top, you're going to create a vacuum, and the fire is going to move towards you and away from the thing you're using to put it out. That's why if you ever pick up a fire extinguisher, and if you've never picked up a fire extinguisher, pick up a fire extinguisher and look at it. That way when you ever need to know, you'll know what you're doing. You actually sweep back and forth at the base of the fire. You work on the foundations, not the flames. Well, nice. when you look at our world, you know what we're all doing a really good job of right now? We're trying to put out flames. Right. Nobody is trying to put out fires. So what is our starting point? I'm so glad you asked that question. Yeah, where do we start? We are starting in Proverbs chapter three. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Yes, I said that slowly intentionally. In all, Wilbur, your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. That should be fairly straightforward, shouldn't it? I think it's very straightforward. Yeah, you say that now, but have you looked at the world lately? Yeah. Is that straightforward? <laughs> I, 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 well, coming from somebody that reads the scriptures on a daily basis, I guess it would make sense to me. But um, in a world where our worldview doesn't give us the time or the effort, we don't take the effort to dig into the scriptures, to, to try and find and make sense of the world that we live in, 
I guess it, it would be very difficult for somebody. All right, so let's build our foundation and then let's compare our finished foundation to the world's foundation and work from there. Does that sound like a good plan? Yes. All right. Let's do this. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is a duh. Your trust is in God, not in you. And you're going, well, that's old covenant language. <laughs> we have new covenant language as well. Things like Second Corinthians. Now, Lou, Second Corinthians, that, that's New Testament, right? Yes. Okay. Paul wrote that. Just making sure. Yep. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, Paul's talking about his visions of heaven. For this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting Exalting myself. Mm. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then... I am strong. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Why? Because you don't have any strength. Right. You have weakness. Who has strength? Right. God does. He God. knows all. So if I'm going to have strength, where do I need to get it from? Yeah, the source of all strength from God. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yes. So do not lean on your own understanding. See, this is key. There should be a difference between the believer and the unbeliever in how we look at the world. Why? We see the world differently. Our minds function differently because we actually know the source of knowledge. And again, let's go to a New Testament source. First Corinthians, that's before Second Corinthians, typically. Right, right. U usually. We're on a roll here. Exactly. Chapter 2. The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness, foolishness. to him. Why? He cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. See, the world cannot think right because they do not have the wisdom of God, the grounding of the Holy Spirit, and the ability to discern things biblically. Right. Therefore, we have to put out the fire that the world starts, not by engaging the flames, but by building the right foundation and showing them the emptiness of the worldview they're espousing. We have to dig into the foundation. To do otherwise is to really just, it's really to have a windmill fight. Do you remember the kid in school who couldn't fight? Right. And yeah, then the, what did he do? You anchor <laughs> yourself arms. real low, and you just go windmill with your arms. Right. No, no, that's a great defense if the person just, like, runs into your fist. Right. But if they move at all, you're, you're dead meat. Yeah. What happens when two people with that fighting style fight? Oh, it's, it's, it can be comical. <laughs> yeah, well, because they can't, they, if yeah. they anchor themselves and go windmill, they don't hit each other right. because their goal is to not get hit by the other dude's windmill. You just, you don't accomplish anything. That's a picture right there. Yeah. I wish what you guys you, could see Pastor Michael. What you just missed yeah. is actually, oh, hang on. The microphone is misbehaving. I gotta make sure we're actually working. Okay, we are still working. What you just missed is me actually demonstrating the windmill in action. So if you, you're, you're, I'm, you're I'm welcome. I'm convinced he's, he's Italian because he does a lot of hand <laughs> gestures. I can appreciate it because I am My Italian. wife would vouch for that. Yeah. So no, so we don't want to go windmill with the culture. We right. want to actually engage them rightly by attacking their foundations and taking them apart at the source. So let's continue. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And because we are so professionally run, Lou, can you, um, in that big box over there, can you give me two AA batteries? My microphone just decided it wants the batteries want to die. So, in all your ways, acknowledge him. God is the one who guides us. 
Jesus, not us. We follow him because our ways are silliness. Our ways are broken. Can I vouch that from the New Testament? Yes. Be imitators of God as beloved children, Ephesians 5. And walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, offering an, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So, Lou, where is our sacrifice? Our sacrifice is in Christ. Speed record as we change the battery. So if our sacrifice is in Christ, where is our life? Oh, well, we are crucified in Christ, <laughs> but we live because of the Son of God, you know. Therefore, whose path am I on? We're on his path. There it we is. We should be imitators See, of Christ. This is the key thing. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And when you do that, he will make your paths straight. Yeah. See, this is the example. This is how we follow along. My path can't be straight in me because if I'm following my path, I'm on the broad road. Right. By definition, it is curvy, it is windy, it is an old country dirt road, and you're just going to get stuck in the mud, and there is no AAA to come pull you out, and that is just a bad place to be. We want to be on the straight road that Christ has made, the one where the hills have been brought down, the gullies have been filled out. All of these things have been accomplished so that we walk aright in godliness. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Why can't I be wise in my own eyes? I'm a smart guy. I'm not a complete nitwit. I mean, I'm a partial nitwit, but not a complete nitwit. Well, we're, we're, we're desperately flawed by our, our nature to sin and to fall away from the things of God. If we, if we follow our own inclinations, it's always gonna, we're always going to find ourselves in that ditch. Exactly. Now, now here's where this gets really real. We're going to, you, you just mentioned that the, the gullies and the ditches, uh -huh. they've been filled. But when we follow our own inclinations, we redig those. We, we have to fall into those gullies because that's, that's our only inclination. And, see, and even beyond this, what's our starting point in Christianity? Like, what's our first work in Christianity? This is theology quiz time for Louis. He's like, what? He's like, don't put me on the spot like well, that. Our first word, well, God calls us. Yes, but so what's but what is our first angle of this? As far as faith, having faith and see, but faith is a gift of God, so I'm right, not counting right. that. So with, with faith comes an acknowledgement of sin, and with acknowledgement of sin comes our first work, which is repentance. There it is, yeah, repentance. There we go. In other words, I have to be brought low. I have to yeah. Be, not be wise in my own eyes. I have to, as James would tell me to do what? Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, but I can't, but Christ can. Purify your hearts. I can't, but Christ does. Be right. miserable and mourn and weep. Right. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. How do I stand in the presence of God blameless as Jude points it out? Well, Not in me. No, it's in Christ alone. Exactly. It's, it's through the, the finished work of the cross. It's, it's the righteousness that Christ has that, that it is imputed to us. And it gives us the ability to follow our Lord and Savior. There it is. And in that ability, that goes back to 1 Corinthians 2. What is now my charge in this world? When I see evil, I do what? I point it out. You point it out. When I see evil in my life... I seek to kill it. When I see evil in others' lives, I point out and I point to the truth. Right. Uh, if you and, want the and the word of God is, 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 is how we, we know what is right and what is wrong, what is evil and what is good. 
Exactly. And, and, That's why and, we're going back to Proverbs here because we have a we consistent go. message all the way through. Yes. You're exactly right. Now, Reader's Digest version on this is Ephesians 5.11. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead expose them. Expose them. See, when we see the wrong of the world, we go, um, guys, uh, over here, please, I have your attention, please. That's bad. Right. That's wrong. And We're that's, not going there. That's not a comfortable there. thing to be in the place of doing. Uh, when you point those things out, w- w- you're going to get lashed back. You're, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be uh, uh, basically run out of town, if you will. Jesus, James, Paul, Peter, what did they all tell you to do? When that happens. Rejoice. <laughs> See, Rejoice they planned. It's almost like God knew what he was doing when he laid this stuff out there. That's right. Almost, right? Not, we can't, that couldn't actually be it, right? Right. right. No. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Lou's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. I got to pay attention to you. What am I agreeing to? Wait a minute. I object. All right. What's the point of this exercise? Is this just some bizarre intellectual exercise where you all sit at home and go, okay, I got that, I got that, I got that? No, no, no. There's actual rhyme and reason to what we're doing here, and that rhyme or reason is dealing in the foundations of the worldview that you are seeing out and about, and hopefully with some Bible undergirding our argument as we go. So... This is where we're going to play Stump the Lou. <laughs> that shouldn't be hard. <laughs> so what we want to do is, is in light of what is going on in the world, because this is, this is the, the genesis of this, is protests, um, systemic racism that's being pointed out, all of the things that are going on. We want to try to drill down to foundational level issues and not argue with the wrong things of the world out in the flames. We want to put the fire out at the base, fix the foundation, and then build godly lives. So one of the things we're going to deal with, we deal with at least two different doctrines today and hopefully make sense of them. So our starting point is this. Lou, the worldview that I'm seeing on display is this. We're going to defund the police. Mm -hmm. Now here's why we're going to defund the police. They have way too much money for the society that's broken. <laughs> so what we want to do, see, I, my coughing is apparently contagious. He's got the Rona. No, no. Oh, no. I'm <laughs> kidding, kidding. Lose like me, dry throat and all. We want to defund the police because we want to take their money and we're going to give it to community programs, you know, after school programs, uh, tutors. We're going to pay teachers more. We're going to have technology in classrooms. We're going to pay social workers and all of these food programs and counseling. All of these things are going to build up these people. So that, and by these people, I mean whatever community they're in. We're going to build up these communities. And because we have built them up in such a manner, when they mature, they won't need the police because all of the problems that necessitated the crime will have been dealt with. You should see the look that I'm getting. Well, I mean, that's, I think that's beyond absurd. (laughs) I mean, all of the things that you just talked about, we have those things now, these programs that you're talking about, and they haven't changed people. Because there's a fundamental problem. What do you in mean the they world? haven't changed people? What, fun, wait a minute. Oh, oh, oh. Lou, used, Lou used the F word. Fundamental. Fundamental, Ooh, yes. You funny mentalist over there. Yeah, I'm a funny mentalist. Right, now, what is the, the, that little layout that I just gave, what is the underlying assumption of mankind in that layout? That man is moral. That, that man uh, uh, knows right from wrong and, and, and will choose to do right in every action. See, there we go. Is that a biblical definition of mankind? Absolutely not. 
Uh, I mean, from the very first chapter, <laughs> for the first few chapters of the scriptures in, in Genesis, we find out that man is not capable of doing right. And, and, and going further in, in Genesis, it, and, and we've got scriptures that we're we going to be talking about. Yeah, you're talking about the fall, Adam and Eve demonstrated, yes. Cain demonstrates yes. it. Yes. When you get to Noah, this is my favorite, Genesis 6-5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that, catch this, every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, is. before you get all panicky, that is pre-flood, yes, so what's well, my fancy technical term, that is antediluvian. But nice. post-Diluvian, after the flood, God reiterates the same statement in Genesis 8. Yes. It is the same course of humanity. Well, and if you don't like that... Yeah. They started to unravel, even right off the boat. Yes. He, Noah unravels, Ham unravels, mm-hmm. the curse against Canaan, all of those things. You see a brokenness. Paul summarizes it. All have sinned and fallen short, short of the glory of God, of God. Romans yes. 3.23. Yes. Jeremiah 17, what is it, 17.9, the heart is deceitful and wicked above all else. Desperately sick, who can know it? it? The biblical definition of humanity is a broken and busted creation that has gone wrong because it has chosen to go go wrong. Mm -hmm. When the world looks at you and says, we don't need police, we can do this with social workers. We don't need police, we can do this with libraries. We don't need police, we can do this with after school programs. We don't need police, we can do this with, you know, education and all of these things. What they're saying is people are good and if we give them good things and we eliminate the bad things, then they will choose good things and we won't need police. If that were only true. See, this is why I don't want to argue about where the funding goes. Right. I don't want to argue about how much money you give to social workers. I don't want to argue about how much money you're taking away from the police. I want to argue about what you think the core of humanity is. It's hard to look in the mirror and to see what you really are. You know, and I think that's what the scriptures help us do. Yes. It helps us remove the facade and helps us to see the sin nature that is inherent in all life. Yeah, even the, in action. Even the best of us are wretched sinners. Even the best of us. Even when we try and, and do the best that we can, we still fall short. And I, I've been talking about this for weeks now, but... Yes, yes, we have a we have a racism problem. We have a problem with racism in our country. However, this is not the underlining problem. Like you said earlier, it's like trying to put the fire out by going after individual flames. Mm-hmm. We need to go to the base of this thing. The base of this thing is not a, a color thing. It's not a racial thing. It is a sin thing, and we are broken without Christ. Yeah, you mean the. Uh... You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Wow. Yeah, it's almost like Paul knew something about humanity. It's almost like the Holy Spirit has a brain in his head and knows what he's talking about when he's describing humanity that he created. See, this is... This is what we talk about with a biblical worldview. That's why we're talking about and calling this first things. This is our foundation. When you see the world saying, we take money from the police, our first thought is, no, you can't take money from the police. We need them. Yes. Why? Why? 
that's the argument that isn't being had. Well, what am I going to do when somebody comes and breaks into my house? Well, nobody's going to see they're coming back. Nobody's going to come break into your house because we're going to fund all these awesome community programs and there's not going to be any need for crime. People only commit crime because they're hungry or they're broke. If they're not hungry and broke, they won't commit crime. No. Liar! You, no. Need, you need Billy Crystal's wife from Princess Bride running around. Right. Liar! Well, that is a great one. Yes. Yeah, that's what yeah. you need. That's the under the underlying fundamental assumption is that people are good, and if given enough nudging, prodding, and programs, right. I should have had a, th- a third P in there, but oh well, they will do and choose good things. Oh, That's if that just, were only true. I mean, we're we're talking about something that eventually will happen when we are in our resurrection bodies and, and, eternity. and, and we're in eternity with our Lord and sin has been pine, finally been put away for good. Yeah. That, is a, that is the perfect society that we all long to live in. But the reality of it is, the insanity of it is, is that we think that that can happen right now by us elevating ourselves to the status of God, trusting in ourselves, making all of these programs and all of these things, and thinking that people are going to be appeased somehow. People are going to just somehow become moral and, and know that it's not okay if you're stronger than somebody to take what they have because you want it. This is the breakdown. And see, now you're getting back into our corollary idea. Right. See, this is, now this is, our, this is our little offshoot is because what, we're, what you're seeing is the product of a fallen mind. Yeah. Now, fallen people have fallen minds. This yeah. goes back to our 1 Corinthians 2 reference. Right. In Christ, we actually undo some of this. But apart from Christ, we can't undo this. This is the command to the Christian. I urge you, brethren, by the mercy of God, present your bodies a holy and living sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing, the renewing of your mind, of your mind yes. so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Meaning, Without being able to renew your mind, you cannot prove the will of God. And if you cannot prove the will of God, you do not know what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And in order to renew your mind, your mind must be guided by your desires of your heart, which are changed only by the work of the Holy Spirit and salvation. See, if you do not have a redeemed people, you cannot have new desires. If you do not have a new desire, you cannot have a renewed mind. If you do not have a renewed mind, you cannot test the will of God. If you cannot test the will of God, you cannot know what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Society cannot function rightly. They can't. The brain is fallen. Um, Pop quiz. Fallen mind. What's our theological term? (sighs) That even sin affects the thought processes of the human mind. It is the noetic Noetic effect effect of of the the fall. fall. I thought that's what you were going for. (laughs) That's funny. This is... This is one of those yeah. places where if you want some historical theology that we, we depart from Aquinas in the Middle Ages and we say, no, reason is fallen. If you don't believe me, turn on the news right. and look at these people argue. I mean, one of the ones I saw was, forget who the politician was. It's made the round, so you can probably find it easily. But the, the woman was asked by a, uh, a reporter in an interview, well, okay, after we defund the police, what do I do if someone breaks into my house? And the woman's answer was, well, the first step is recognizing that wanting to call the police when someone breaks into your house is, is, a, is, an, a, is a demonstration of privilege. Of what? What kind of privilege? Are we talking about I don't white know. privilege? What, I what? don't know. That, it, that's, that statement is just so dumb on its face that I don't even want to 
dissect it. I can't, I can't even that, put my mind around that. That's what fallen reason in a broken world looks like. Her mind is not renewed. Therefore, she can't think about this rightly. She's got a talking point. She's got a worldview that is working itself out. This is people are good. What do you mean they'll break into your house? What do you need police for? We're going to fix all those break-in problems by doing X, Y, and Z. See, the fundamental assumption again, people are good, and if given enough good things, they themselves will choose to do good things, and they will solve all of the problems. Now, this... That is insanity right there. I mean... Uh, uh, no. you, you keep doing the same thing over and over again and thinking that you're going to get a different result. I mean, that's just insanity. No, you're right. Now, this leads us, though, to our second idea. And you're going, oh, no, there's a second idea. Yeah, there's, we have two thoughts today. Yeah, there, we have two, two whole thoughts. <laughs> <sighs> what about our systems? And, here, and this is what I mean by this. All right. Ah. Lou got this one right in the pre-show prep, so we're going to put him on the spot again. Oh boy. And by pre-show prep, I mean like the three-minute conversation we have before I hit the record button. <laughs> <laughs> so we almost have this we worked out before we We rattle off so start. much before we talk yeah. about this. On, on There's line. like 8,000 other things in the world going on, and we do a podcast on this. So, yeah. All right. According to Scripture, uh-huh. the government is given what job? To protect the people. Protect the people. Right. They, they, they uphold righteousness and justice as an extension as a visible earthly extension of god that's that's the idea right well in a godly nation yes that's the idea we're we're talking we're talking first things here so yes that's the idea so with that then internationally how does a nation do that so outside of its own borders, how does it ensure righteousness or prevent other nations from violating the righteousness the of its citizens? We have a military. Right. We have the Air Force, the Marines, the Navy, the Army, all those right. guys, right? Yeah, the National Guard, everything. Yeah, all yeah. of that stuff. That ensures that other nations do not violate our sovereignty and diminish righteousness within our borders. Right, our sovereign We, we keep country. them on the outside yeah. so we can protect our people. That's yes. the job of government. Right. How does a government do that? domestically, inside of its own borders. I mean, the Marines aren't walking up and down the streets yeah. right now. Well, we have different, different types of police institutions. you got the FBI, the CIA, all these different yeah. alphabets. But the local police, the sheriff. They all fall under the category of law, law enforcement. enforcement right? yeah. yeah, different agencies. Now, this is where this gets really fun. This is, now, this wasn't part of the pre-show prep, so I'm going to throw Lou the curveball here. Oh, here we go. Mike's good at this. Yeah. Scripturally speaking, because we want to be able to found our ideas on how Scripture designs us to live. Mm-hmm. Who is responsible for charity? The church. And specifically the individuals of the church. Of the church. And Paul yeah. talks about when there's a need, he doesn't, you know, set up a lemonade stand. Yeah. He doesn't sell Girl Scout cookies. Right. He calls the church up. Well, he sends a letter and says what? Hey, take up a collection. It's for a good cause. You mean if somebody needs a coat and you have two coats... You're not supposed to just walk off. You, you give him one of your coats, or you, yeah, or if your if your brother is cold, you you warm him. If he's hungry, you feed him. Feed him. You don't pray for him and send him on his way. Well, you I mean you can do that, but James would tell you that's a dead faith, so there that's kind of useless. Yes. So, yeah, so charity is an arm of the church. It's yes. an extension of the godly individual loving the neighbor yeah. as himself. Now, Isn't that amazing? You're, you're going, That's... why are we having this conversation? Oh, just wait. No. Just wait. This is where it gets good. So, so when the, uh, the, uh, the fallen reason lunatic asylum world tells me that the government should not fund police, but that they should fund education, social work, and charity. 
Mm-hmm. What are they really telling me? Well, it sounds like we're talking about socialism and which... But what are they really rejecting? Are they rejecting the foundations of their worldview or are they rejecting the foundations of God's worldview? Oh, absolutely. They've, re- they've rejected God from d- day one. I mean, they've, <laughs> they've removed him from every institution, public institution that we have. And they're, and they're trying to go, go even further. You, you can't even mention the name of Jesus yeah. in some institutions. So and think about how far this, how deep this is going, though. Domestically speaking, the only job that the government is given is law enforcement. And what they're saying is government... Don't do it no more. Don't do that. Yeah. This is not a rejection of government. This is not a rejection of police. This is a rejection of God and his ways. What they're then saying is government, charity has been given to the church. Here's another fun one that we didn't ask before. Um, Biblically speaking, whose job is it to educate children? Oh, that's the family, the father. Family's job. No, it's not. It's the government's job. See, that's what the secular that's where we world go, That's where we go wrong, because See, when our kids grow up, they haven't been trained in the way that they should go, and, and there's no reason for them to remember anything, because they've never been told anything. And so when they grow up, it's no wonder that they walk away from their faith and their family and everything that, that, that you would want your child to stay in. This is the foundational argument we're talking about. Government's God-ordained job is to protect its people. The churches, one of the church's ordained jobs is to engage in charitable works. The Christian's ordained walk in this world is to engage in good works prepared beforehand, Ephesians 2.10, and it's to educate its people. So when the, when the mob outside of Lot's house is saying, don't fund the government or don't fund the police to protect my righteousness, but fund my education. Don't fund the police to protect my righteousness, but fund social programs. Don't fund the police to protect my righteousness, but fund uh, counselors and social workers and sociologists. What they're really saying is don't do your God-given job. Don't make me do my God-given job. You abdicate your job and then you do my job. See, this is foundational. Again, I don't want to argue about police unions. I don't want to argue about violence. Can we have those discussions? Yes. But you know when we should have those discussions? We should have those discussions. We should be having the discussions about what is excessive force for the police department after we have agreed on what is the role of the police department in a society. Right. See, that's the foundational argument to that we haven't had serve. yet. See, there that's, it is. That's the role. And, and what's happening right now is we have an adversarial relationship with the government and with law enforcement because no one is doing their actual job. We have even moved. even we as citizens are yes. not doing our jobs. No, we are To be fair, I mean it's not. We're we're and, and I think you're saying that, but I just want to be clear yes. to the people listening to us is, is is this is we're all in this together, folks. I mean it's not just a, a problem with the police department not knowing their duties and their responsibilities or doing it. I think it's a societal problem and it's a it's a human problem. Yes, now this, this is the breakdown. See, I've used this as an example for years. If somebody moves into your community and they are having trouble getting a job and they are having enough, they're having trouble having enough food for, enough money for food or to get clothes for their kids or to pay their heating bill or something like that, what are 90% of people's first thought? 
Well, they go to the city and they they look for help. They, they want we send you down assistance. to social services. We send yeah. you down to uh, the, the, the the DSS, mm-hmm. and we get you on food stamps, right. and we get you a rent control program, and we get you uh, an electric bill uh, co-op program, mm-hmm. and we do we send you down to the government. Whose right. job is that? See, that used to be we send you down to whatever the community center is or we send you down to the local church Mm -hmm. because you're not working right now. Well, there's always jobs to be done. There are always lawns to be cut or gutters to be repaired or gutters to be cleaned out or, you know, stuff to be cleaned up. There's always something to be done. And in exchange for that, we'll buy your kids shoes. We'll make sure they got clothes. We'll make sure you don't starve to death. And we'll handle all of these things. You get on your feet, right. But people abdicated this responsibility and said, well, we like it better when we pool our resources together and let you pay for that. We did that. It was called the church. We gave, and then the church handled these things. So we didn't have to send you to the deacon. The deacon can send you to the church. Why? Because the church came together and already pulled its money, and we have it set aside. Right. Now the government is saying, no, 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 we'll handle that. They're taking our job while abdicating their job. All right. And what you're seeing now with the angry mob is they're saying, we don't want government to do its God-given function. Yeah. We want it to do what we want it to do. We are now the wise arbiters of society. We are now the ones who are in charge here, and we will determine what the proper role is. This is literally the exact opposite of what you see in Proverbs chapter 3. Yes. This is the breakdown. Here's a, good, here's a good one. Go back to 2 Corinthians. This time we'll go to chapter 10. Paul, myself, urges you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold towards you when absent, I ask that when I am present, I need not be bold with the confidence with which I propose to be courageous against some who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For though we walk, I'm sorry, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations, every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. Why do I want to read that right there? This is the argument we're trying to make here. We are having too many superficial discussions in the world, and this includes believers and unbelievers. Now, when unbelievers engage in these arguments, I'm not surprised they have superficial discussions. It's all they have. But I'm seeing too many churches, too many Christians hurrying up to get in alignment with the world and say, we, they, they, they're Bill Clinton all of a sudden, I feel your pain. Mm. And it's like, no, I don't want <laughs> to feel your pain. I want to biblically address a problem, which means you have to actually give me a biblical problem. This is another one that made the rounds a while back. Someone was making, a, making the argument that we have to address the systemic racism problems in our country. And the interviewer asks, well, well, what do you mean? What are, what are the examples of the systemic racism that you're talking about? And I kid you not, the answer was, asking me that question is a demonstration of systemic racism. It's like asking me to justify that I see racism is racist. That's dumb. That's, that's just dumb. Yeah. 
and we have rules. And the first rule is don't do dumb don't things. do dumb things. Yeah, this, that's a good this, rule. This is this is our first primary we, we, function we, of life, right we here. Break that one a lot, I think. <laughs> but see, as a Christian, you can't go. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I, I won't I won't be racist anymore. No, you have to go. No, that's not good enough. Because here's the foundation that I'm building in Scripture. Here's the foundation I've built up on God. Here's where I think this leads. Now, you need to tell me where either my exegesis or my foundation has gone wrong. We need to have a specific conversation, again, based on what's the role of government in our lives? Mm -hmm. What's the role of police in our lives? What's the role of charity? Where does it come from and how should it be accomplished? What's the role of the individual? What is the nature of man and how we think? What's wrong with that? What's right with that? If we're not willing to have those conversations, turn off the news. Right. It's pointless. One of the problems that I see is is, is how our world has changed in, in our country specifically. I mean, we're looking at post-Christian, post-modern oh, yeah. world that that rejects the scriptures, rejects the church. They want uh, a socialistic uh, government that, that just takes care of all of their needs but doesn't tell them how to live. They, it, we've got this generation of even the kids are... They're like, they're entitled. They feel entitled to public assistance. They don't feel like they should have to go out and work. And I mean, this country that we live in, when we say that the church should be doing more, we need to do more. But is when we talk about, we're talking about a government that rejects the, even the knowledge of God. Agreed. So how do we how do we have these conversations? You have, and this this is why this conversation is so important. Right. You cannot have this conversation on a meta level. Right. I mean, it's not like I get to go to the Senate tomorrow and stand there and go, "You knuckleheads have rejected God." You see, all I become is the crazy sandwich board guy standing outside of the Capitol building. You know, repent the end is nigh. You kick prayer out of school. This these are all talking points that don't get us anywhere. Mm-hmm. If you want to know where we actually make change, yeah. we change people. Right. How do we change people? By preaching the gospel. We preach the gospel, discipleship. Um, now this is now this, this is where we make disciples. How yeah. do we make disciples? See, everybody's out there going, I don't know how I should evangelize my coworkers. I don't know how we make disciples in the workplace. This conversation is going to be had. Oh, what do you think about this whole defund the police thing? I think it's dumb. What do you mean it's dumb? Well, how are we going to tell the police not to do the one job that God has ordained them to do? They see, don't see it as that, though. I, I know they don't, they but don't. we should, and we need to make them argue against that foundation. That's how you make disciples. You actually attack the fire at the floor. You don't go spraying off at the rafters. Right. You attack the fire at the source, right. and this is what we're not doing. Well, I don't, I don't know, Dave. I mean, I think if we, if we, if we spent a few more $100 billion on you know, after-school programs, these kids might turn out better. Well, you know, Gary, what that sounds like you're saying to me is that these kids are good kids, and if we just gave them more stuff, they'd be good. You know, Scripture tells me that people are fundamentally bad. What do you mean they're bad? Oh, let me open up my word and explain this, Genesis to Revelation, and show you the brokenness of humanity and the provision of Christ given by God. See, how do I get to a gospel conversation? There it is. But we're not willing to have the foundational argument over the nature of man because they might think I'm weird. 
You are weird. Yeah, we are. Get over yourself. If you're not weird, you're not a stranger and an alien in this world, which means you're not walking rightly. You're not exposing the deeds of darkness. You're not renewing your mind. You're not doing any of the Christian things that you're supposed to be doing. Or you're hiding them. And I'm not really, really entirely certain right now which one's worse. They're both bad. See, yeah. this is where we have this. We're too busy saying, well, if we elect this guy, you know, we've been saying if we elect this guy for 40 plus years in this country, and what have we gotten? Literally nothing. Yeah, I mean. Literally nothing. We've got, we've got it. We've slowed down the descent into crisis and chaos. Yeah. Even if we found the perfect person, which someday will we will return. It's Christ. Yes. Even today, if we tried to find the perfect person to put in place, they would still not live up to the standards that everybody wants. We would still have people that would complain about whatever it is that they don't like. And, 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 and society will never be better for having the perfect person in the No, because in again, office. because they may be perfect, but the rest of us aren't right and, and so we're still trying to attack the fire at the flames instead of at the base of the fire um we need we need a revival yes and that starts with who it always starts with individual people right. doing the discipleship work see this is where we have to train our brains and again this is why this is so important if you don't train yourself to think like this like this you end up having those second level arguments and right. what you can't see is me waving my arms in the air to show you where the problem lies we have to get down to the floor what is man who are we see, again this is why we get accused of self-righteousness as the church mm -hmm. because everybody looks at us and goes well you just think you're so good no i think i'm lower than dirt yeah see but we're, we're not willing to say that most of the time yeah. and so they think we think we're awesome no, we're terrible at this. No, no, no. We're not any better. We're all equally dead apart from Christ. Right. See, this is where we're not thinking on our primary things. Like, we mess up, and then we're like, I can't believe I did that. Right. Yes, you can. Right, we're yes, broken. You, yes, you can. You're a busted, broken nitwit. Yep. Come to grips with it and move along. Right. I mean, you, you literally heard me describe myself as a nitwit as we started this. I mean, this is, this is part of the training of the mind in Christ, is seeing your problems realistically and recognizing that for that too, Christ died. And now there is grace and there is mercy at the foot of the cross and there is the renewing of my mind and the ability to now go about my life better than I did before. The world can't because they don't know how, because they don't see the problem. They're never going to see the problem if we don't, you know, go like home alone with the neighbor and snow shovel that puppy mm -hmm. and smack him with it. Mm. I mean, we, we've got to. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, watch Home Alone. It'll do you good. I mean, this is, this is what's missing in the world is we're unwilling to say, no, government must fund the police because that's government's job. Government needs to stop funding charity because that's my church's job. Government needs to stop intruding its nose into the education of my kids because that's my job. See, there's a fun argument to have for a different day. No doubt. We're sitting there going, well, I don't like what the school is teaching my kids. Then tell them to stop it. Right. What do you mean tell them to stop it? Who's in charge of your child's education? And if they won't listen... Either send them someplace that will listen or, right. or do, do what my family did and homeschool, do huh? it yourself. Yeah. yeah, I grew up in a homeschool environment. Um, I mean, this, this, is the dirty, this is the dirty little conversation we're not yeah. willing to have. We send our kids to school and then we're like, well, that's, that's their job. No, it isn't. It's yours. Yeah. And then we wonder why they turn away from the values exactly. that our family has exactly. been trying to Primary. instill. 
Yep. They get they get segregated, and, and the wolves out there are are ready for the young little sheep that are going to college and a higher education what? for the first time away from their we, moms and dads. We haven't disciplined them right. in the foundations because we haven't disciplined us right. in the foundations. Right. We don't want to have these conversations. We don't want to look at these things. And so when we're confronted with them, we go hide. And, we, and we're comfortable having the talking point problems. We're comfortable blaming this organization or blaming that organization. We're uncomfortable saying, no, this is what God says. Who are the heroes that we look up to in the Old Testament? Now, again, you, if you've not heard me say this before, I'll say it again. The only hero in the Bible is it's God. God. Right. But from a human perspective, who are the heroes? Samson, you've got David, you've got even Abraham um, was a the, hero. The people who lived differently. Differently, yeah. And who are the ones we would like to think we are when you get to like the kingdom years? Do we, do we want to think we're Ahab? No. no. No, man, we're Isaiah. Yes. Yeah, we're, we're Jeremiah. Jeremiah. I, yeah. I'm Daniel. I'm Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael standing at the precipice of the furnace going, God can save me that from that fire, but even if he does not, I will not worship your idol. See, that's who we think we are. What were they willing to do? They're willing to stand there and say, no, because God says. Yeah. To put it in the old King Jimmy, thus saith the Lord. Right. Until we're willing to say, no, God says we're doomed. Church history, the, the quote everybody knows from the church history hero everybody loves is Martin Luther. Mm. My heart is held captive to the word of God. Here I stand, I can do no other. What is he saying? No. Why? Because God says. Until we're willing to say, no, government, this is your job according to God. Church, this is your job according to God. Individual, this is your job according to God. Angry mob, this is your job according to God. You want this? No, that's wrong because God says it's wrong. Until we're willing to do that, we have no hope of revival because we're never going to have the conversations that are going to lead us to Christ and his redemptive work. We're never going to have them because we're unwilling to confront the sin that is literally knocking at our door and burning down our cities. And if we're unwilling to confront it when the world is on fire, when are we going to confront it? Right. Yeah, it's going to be a little too late, huh? Yeah. We're, so you, this we're is, there, this is, though. I, I, think, I, think we're, I think what we're seeing in our country is divine judgment for <laughs> the things that we fail to do as a people of God or even people in general acknowledging God. Yeah, and, this, and this is what's going to become the problem is if we're unwilling to do these things, it's not going to get better. Again, you have two options at this point. Option one, which I don't think is really an option for Christians, is that we just sit around and wait for Jesus to come back and just watch everything go to hell in a handbasket in the meantime. I I don't think that's an option because that's not renewing my mind. That's not exposing the deeds of darkness. That is not uh, focusing my eyes on the author and perfecter of my faith, as Hebrews 12 does. That's not doing any of the things Scripture commands me. So that's not really an option biblically. Not if I want to proclaim Christ and actually walk in alignment with the Holy Spirit. So that means the only real option is to be a disciple and to go about the work of making disciples. Right. Disciples that make disciples. That's the only way we're going to make a change. Which means when I see godlessness in society, I go, that's godless. When I see ungodly arguments, I say, that's an ungodly argument. When I see a foundational problem... I don't get lost in the weeds. I drill back down to the foundation and say, what has God said about the person? What has God said about your mind? What has God said about your government? What has God said about how you live? And then work from there. And when they say, well, I reject God, say, I don't care. 
I don't care. He is still the creator, the sustainer, and the just judge of all the earth. Mm-hmm. Until we're willing to stay there and have the world just walk away from us calling us weirdos because they won't listen, then we're not doing our job. Because here's the dirty little secret. They know. That's why they're fighting so hard. They know they're wrong. Yeah. And they're demanding one of two things is going to happen. They're either going to continue on until you shut up and someone else affirms them. Or, hey, catch this, you might actually be the means by which God uses to save them. Breaking down the walls, exposing their sins, driving them to repentance. That's how this works. But mm. if we don't actually expose the sin and shine the light and sprinkle the salt, then what have we accomplished? Yeah, we need, to, we need God to move in our culture. Which means we need... We need people to do what God called them to do. Exactly. Which is to make disciples. Exactly. We, we, we need God right now, guys. So there you go. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully this has given you a bit of a, a th- different way of thinking about how these problems are manifesting in the world. These are sin problems, yes, but they're foundational problems. You've got to start to train yourself when you look at the world to not look at the shiny object that's going on, but to actually look at the scaffolding that is assembled underneath it. You know, when you think about what they're proposing, you know, the socialistic type, you know, the things that they want to do in in our community to help people with food and education, these are all good, wholesome things that they're wanting to do. But if you do them without God initiating this without a faith in God, loving your neighbor because you love God, if you can't, if you take God out of it, it's just dead works and it won't work. It can't work. It can't. It cannot work. And that's the key. Again, you have to be disciplined to be a disciple. All right. Did we miss anything? I don't think so. All right. So what have we learned today, children? God is the giver of truth. Yes. He's, he, we've seen that in Scripture. He's the one who lays this place out and how it works. We can't redefine our world, can we? No. No. It only works rightly when it works according to Gosh. God. And every attempt to redefine it by our standard leads to like things burning again. And we have to be grounded in biblical principles as the people of God. Because if we're not, are we going to stand firm? No. No, we're going we're gonna to wash away with the rest. Yeah, we don't have a foundation. It's just we, like sand. So we have to be grounded. It's almost like there's a parable about that somewhere, yes, isn't there? Yes, yes. Somewhere, right? Yes. So, it's so in a book. It's so, yeah, it's in a book. Read your Bible. It'll do you get. <laughs> Luke 6. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Hopefully this helps you guys out. Hopefully we might actually start having two resources a week for you guys. Look at that because I'm not stopping the Heretics podcast. I'm actually having fun with it and getting stuff going. So hopefully Lou and I are going to be able to keep this up on a regular basis and get multiple resources out to you guys. Hopefully this makes sense and you can check it all out. If you're looking for more information on this, I encourage you to check out the Heretics podcast. And if you don't like listening, there's a write-up on it that goes on the website, practicaltheologyministries.com. You can find... uh, the player there for old episodes, including worship services from church, where you are welcome to worship with us. Uh, 10.30 Central Time, mm-hmm. uh, Linden Road, Calvary Baptist Church, Rockford, Illinois. You can join us on the live stream, or you can show up where we welcome you. Yes. We don't care what the governor says about lockdowns. We're here. We're open. We're having church. You're welcome. Chairs are all spread out. Come. It'll be fun. It's yes. good for you. But yeah, articles on the website. 
Um, you can sign up to receive the uh, journal that we put out. Hopefully it's going to get out in the next week or so. We're working on it. I know Lou's got to get me his stuff, and Daryl's got to get me his stuff, and Cameron hasn't even got me all her stuff yet, so oh don't my. feel bad. We're all slackers, and I'm not even done with all my stuff yet. So we're all a little bit behind on everything, but we will get that mailed out hopefully in the next week or so, and you'll enjoy that. In the meantime, if you haven't read up on it, you can read past issues. They're all on the website. It lets me store them. It's so awesome and fun. Um, that kind of covers it. You get all the information there. If you have questions, email them, info at practicaltheologyministries.com. We'll make Lou answer them on here. <laughs> all right. Well, maybe I'll even ask the question on the air. See, look at that. And then and, we can answer it and, and have we'll a discussion. Give you, we'll give you credit, and we'll argue about it, and throw things, and fun will be had by all. Yes. yes. <laughs> be sure to make fun of people who ask silly questions. Remember, there are no stupid questions, just stupid people that ask questions. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> as, right. as a former school teacher, there are stupid questions. But you know what? Ask them anyway, because if you have, if you have that question, odds are somebody else sitting around has had it too, and it's always worth answering. So nice. I think that covers everything. So until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. God bless. God bless.